4: Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and joining me today for the Axon Bulletin is the dapper Russell Boyce and our very own poet-in-residence Kevin Graham Welcome back to the show guys, it's Monday Plenty to discuss I mean, will we even get round to the football at the weekend? I don't know uh, But first and foremost, that is a crack and a distract suit top Russell, well done for that, that's probably your Thank finest you, to date Let's get stuck right in to the two statements that have been made already this morning by Celtic. One on the interim results, one a chairman's statement, tying it all into the review. Kevin Graham, I've set up this headline, it wasn't uh, decided by the three of us. I'm reading into that, there's not going to be, we will not make... Hasty decisions that we might regret And what I, I read into that Is that we're not going to change the manager I do expect a director of football I think that's on the cards I think that's going to happen But at this moment in time I get the feeling we're not going to change the manager Kevin, am I reading too much into that? What was your thoughts on the chairman's statement?
3: I think you are reading too much into that um... Uh, for me, the hasty line actually means that they didn't want to pay anybody off and hire and anybody new that's going to cost them money at this precise moment in time when the club's finances I mean they're basically we're basically losing money like a blind man playing blackjack at this precise moment in time. Eh? So, And it's going to get worse in the second, second half of the season. Lennon's there because this season's a busted flush. Back to the card references again, and he'll be there to the end of the season. And once everything's done and dusted this season, Lennon will be mutually agreed, and we will get a new coach going into next season. And I, I don't, I didn't see anything in the statement which made me think anything different for that. I didn't, I didn't expect anything else from the statement. Um, then reports came out. I've seen some, some people gone. Apple uh, absolutely nuclear about it, and I'm going. Well, what did you expect them to say? they haven't said nothing for October. They're not going to come out and uh, lay their plans o- on the kitchen table for you for for everybody to see. I was quite glad that the the, the chairman's statement actually uh, highlighted the value of the season book because I I, I, see, I see I see a lot. Of-
4: I see a lot of people talking about it. Someone else think. has just read the statement. Someone else <laughs> has just read the statement, eh? Kevin, I'll let, I'll let you deal with that whilst I ask Russell. Um, the chairman's statement also said we are in the period of review. So this isn't a full stop in relation to this managerial review that we were promised on the 7th of December, Russell. Kevin's just dealing with other matters that that can arise when you're doing a live broadcast. But um, from that, obviously it's ongoing, Um, I understand what Kevin says. We can't give too much away uh, because obviously that might detract from any of the work we're doing behind the scenes and I totally understand that. However, I didn't get much positivity from the the statement and in actual fact, someone else who's tuning in... um, P McA on YouTube says the last line of Bankier's statement: "A sense of togetherness equals Lenin stays." What's your thoughts? Because obviously Kevin has disagreed with that. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that particular choice of words?
5: I think I mean because we've been so desperate for some sort of uh, some sort of you know statement to come out, and some sort of you know transparency from the board. It could be quite easy, and uh, you know, you know, if pressure after it being released. For us just to read a wee bit too much in every single you know word that's mentioned on it. Um, I happen to be more on Kevin's side. I don't think it was a definitive Lenin state. I actually my biggest worry is that they still don't know what, what what the future plan is. I'm not convinced there is a master plan behind the scenes um that we that we all hope and strive that there will be. They've not given me any indication this season that they are capable of uh, putting together such a master plan um and not you know, some sort of disaster happening along the way. I thought the letter. I mean, I got there was a tweet came into me from Nicky who said sort of said that he thought it was you know sort of shut shut up boys and girls and let us carry on sort of running the running things as they are. But I'm I'm not I'm I'm more convinced that they just put out a letter of kind of statement because they had to. Um, I didn't think there was much substance to it to be honest with you. And I think for now it's just you know we just keep trundling on till the end of the season. Um, in the words of Gavin Strachan I think he says
4: we'll just what does he say we'll just trundle on or something like that I know it didn't fill you with confidence Russell that's for sure Danny Harvey nowhere in this review does he mention that we have actually fallen further behind than the position we were in December Neil Lennon had one main objective and that was to win the league he failed thank you Danny and Patrick Murphy on YouTube comes in to allay any fears that I might have uh, given anyone to say no it didn't mention Lennon's name once and indicated the review is ongoing I agree with what Kevin said a director of football will likely be next the new manager will arrive in the summer maybe June Neil Lennon is toast well you know I'm trying to remain positive uh, this season and next and I, I was looking also through the interim reports obviously we've all seen the big the big headlines Kevin I've got to say though I don't think it was any worse than we expected. You know, £6 million losses, obviously they're focused on things like no fans in the stadium, the COVID issues, uh, player acquisitions. We try to keep the squad together. That's why we haven't had as much of a profit, etc. So I don't think there was anything in there that was uh, groundbreaking. But let me tell you, the, the state of our accounts are going to be in much better shape than the rest of Scottish football at this stage.
3: Oh, of course they will. Um, but I think the retaining the players is now looking like a, a bad decision, and that's probably one that they're actually regretting just now. They basically they basically done the summer's business expecting fans to be back in the stadium by October, and it's completely backfired on them. Uh, so they've now bumped through the season ticket money, and we're now in a period where they're, where, they're, where they're basically they're hemorrhaging money left, right and centre so the summer's going to be really interesting and I think this is where a lot of the fans get impatient and quite rightly so at times they get impatient because nothing moves quick Celtic don't move quick, the PLC don't move quick and everything has got a value and it's dollars pounds and pence and that's only the value that they, that they look at I find that quite funny uh, when, when I read social media and you see people going. I'm not going. I'm not going to re- renew if Neil Lennon's there next season. We're 18 points behind. This is this is this 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 is this is terrible. It's shocking. And, and the reason that I won't renew next season is I'm going to play the, the board at their own game here. They see they see me as a pound shilling and pence. Well, mm-hmm. I see them as pound sh- shilling and pence now. My emotional attachment to Celtic is through you guys, through the community on here. It's not. There's nobody PLC. That, that's my emotional attachment to Celtic. Celtic see me as a pound sign. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see them as a pound sign now. Unless they give me a massive discount on my season ticket next year, I'm no back. I'm no going back. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I I give a monkeys if Neil Lennon is the manager. If they gave me a massive discount, I would still go back because football is only a small, small part of it for me. But for me, I'm going to play the board at their own game. And there's people now realising... That the you can put as many bed sheets as you want on 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 wire fences. The board are not going to listen to you. The only way that they listen to you is money. And see, all these people are all sitting there go, "Oh, it's my emotional attachment. I'm going to pay my season book anyway." Use the problem.
4: Now, Kevin, I take every single word of that uh, on board because there's a lot of Celtic fans thinking the same as yourself. There are others who will no doubt disagree with you, and that's great because that is what having a debate about this is all about. I I looked at uh, a figure the other day. Someone was saying that Celtic will struggle to sell 40,000 season tickets. We've said on this this platform that if no changes are made, if Neil Lennon is here to stay for next season, I don't think it will be anywhere near 40,000. Russell, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, we've seen... I remember a big drop-off in season ticket sales um, during the final season under Gordon Strachan and then the first season under Tony Mowbray, which resulted in the first tenure of Neil Lennon. And I think Celtic dropped between ten and 15,000 season tickets in those two years. Now, if we were to drop... 15,000 season tickets under circumstances where a lot of it won't be through choice, it'll be through finance, where people don't have that same money. Um, and, and as I've said before, it then becomes a luxury, which is, you know, when you're a Celtic supporter, uh, going to the game's never really been a luxury, has it? It's always been a necessity, but we're in trying times financially. Um, and if we're currently sitting at 57,000 season ticket holders, I can see it dropping way below the 40 unless big changes are made. Now, they've started in essence through obviously the the fact that Peter Law has retired and we know that the new CEO coming in is Dominic That Dominic McQuarrie, that's something that I'm looking forward to. I think that's a positive move. But then, you know, the next stage of that, and I I, I do agree with with Kevin, that's why platforms like this are so important. You hear um, the structure of someone's argument and then you tend to agree with it from time to time, not always. But I think you're right, Kevin. I think what we're now looking for is the director of football. My big concern reading through that, maybe not necessarily for next season, although I think it's still a possibility, is that certainly for this season, uh, that closes any argument that there's going to be any change this season. You know, a, a lot of fans, us included, were pushing for change just now. We needed um, Neil Lennon to move on. Um, a lot of Celtic fans, all you need to do is go onto Twitter, anytime Celtic make any kind of tweet, and just look at the amount of responses with the Lennon out. Um, kind of banner which has become an avatar for many users online and I do think that there will come a point when it comes to the renewal of the season tickets where they realise this is a bad idea, we do need to have bigger changes in the football department so Russell what's your thoughts on that Kevin, very strong words from Kevin who's been watching Celtic from before uh, I've been at the games I think when was your first game, early 80s Kev? 1982, Capolo Capital 1982. So, you know, this isn't someone who could be described as a new generation Celtic fan throwing his toys at the pram because yeah. we're not winning games. It's a lot deeper than that, Russell.
5: No, totally. And I think, you know, they obviously it's, uh, they find themselves in really difficult positions, I think, to be, to be fair to the board. I think there has been, I think Kev was right to say, you know, it backfired maybe retaining the, the key assets. But the flip side being, if we were 23 points behind and we'd sold our key assets last summer as well, it would have been an obvious that been what we, were, we would have pinned all the blame on. Um, I think the biggest problems all comes back to the decision-making of Lennon and the showers. And since then, when COVID's occurred, and we've had big decisions to make, we've been doing it with the wrong guy in the dugout, unfortunately. I know that sounds really, really harsh on, on Lennon, but I do think that keeping the, the assets last year should have been a positive thing. Um, not qualifying for Europe affects the the, the balance sheet as well, massively. Um, in regards to obviously we're in the Europa League group, but the financial rewards of that, or at least even getting to the latter stages of that, um, and the, obviously the Champions League that we threw away, not even against good opposition, are things really, really frustrating. Um, and again, it's came back to cost us. So what we find is basically this: this summer, when you're looking at season tickets and you're worrying about the numbers dropping, can Celtic afford to now invest that sort of big money in a manager, and um, that is going to maintain the season book numbers as high as realistically possible in the current climate? Or do they stick, as you say, with Lennon because this is the bold man and this is who they feel is right and maybe a change in structure will allow him to get the best out of the group whatever that group may look like. Obviously, he'll need to be in charge of an overhaul. How many season tickets are going to be renewed and how many new applicants are you going to get if that was the case? I think you are looking under 40,000 at this stage. Um, I think, I, I like you rightly point out, the avatars on Twitter are, are appearing all the time. The actual banner itself is rife whenever Celtic put up any sort of tweet. I don't see how that's sustainable and expecting to have um strong season ticket numbers in the slightest. But going back to what Kevin said, because we we didn't we didn't twist last summer and, you know, sell key assets, obviously we've got to balance the books as well. And the club aren't known, you know, to sort of loosen the purse strings, uh taking a gamble sort of thing. So if they were to go for an attractive manager, they're gonna cost a pretty penny. Um I don't know if they're in a position
4: that they feel they can do that now, such as uh, the way the COVID's gone. You opened up your answer there, Russell, by saying that to be fair to the board, and I think it is important to actually say that we are in a difficult situation in terms of uh, the new man coming in, Um, hopefully the rebuild starting in the summer, you would like the manager to be in right now, Because you need them to assess the squad so that we don't fall into that same trap of being underprepared for the qualifiers. Because they are massive. They're massive to the balance sheet. They're more important now, you know, getting into the Champions League group stages. And actually, yeah, for the prestige, but also for the money. The financials are more important now than ever before. But it is a difficult period at the moment. It's a very difficult period because if you sack the manager, um, there's payoffs times three or four. Uh, with his coaching staff then you're bringing somebody else in new unless they're unemployed there's payoffs so I I totally get what you meant and I think it's you know, it's uh, sensible to, to, to always have that in mind. It is a difficult time at this moment. Now, Richard McMinn comes in to say, Bankier Bankier, who incidentally is now in his 10th year at Celtic, said he did not make rash decisions, yet they gave Lennon a job in the shower rooms after a Scottish Cup win. Is that not a rash decision? And it's a great point, Richard, because I think, you know, it the whole club at the moment seems to be um, strewn in contradiction and this is the difficulty there was this chat about they understand the anxieties of the Celtic support uh, we're getting flack you know, to paraphrase from all angles of the media Yeah, that's because you're Celtic and you're underachieving And you should be expecting that And it's also a situation where We're not there to to voice our opinion Uh, The Discord is always going to be virtual It's always going to be on these platforms Much more than it would be normally um, If we had been at the Games So Kevin, strong words from yourself What kind of feeling are you getting from fellow fans I mean, In terms of how difficult A push is it going to be for the Celtic board Under the current circumstances To get the highest, the highest percentage possible of those season tickets to renew.
3: F- the feeling that I've got is, we all want to renew, but we have to get.
0: It's the marketers' report this week. Patrizia Spagnoletto, global chief marketing officer, direct consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust.
1: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row risk free with a 30 day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at slash home dash trial.
3: Showing something. We have to, the support of, will we need to be supported as well. Uh, whether that is with some that want management change or other ones that want to be, want to get made feel valued but the bottom line is you have a lot of fair, fair weather supporters there who bought season tickets for this season supposedly being the 10 and, all, and also who joined when Brendan Rodgers came and unless you get a manager of Brendan Rodgers calibre again you're going to drop 10 to 15,000 anyway you're then having a look to try and keep that hardcore there, and there's a lot of the hardcore who are now getting to a point where they're fed up being seen as pound shilling and pound shilling and pence. As I've already said, I'm in that. I'm in that. I play Celtic at my own game at their game. I mean, at the end of last season, my thinking was. If I owed Celtic 110 quid for a refund, they'll be quick enough to take it out of my bank account. So why should I not be quick enough to take it out of their bank account? If I'm treating Celtic, the PLC of Celtic, not Celtic Football Club, I'm, I'm treating the PLC of Celtic as a service user. And in any other walk of life, you'll be firing in letters, letters of complaints this season for what you've paid for. And that's, and that's just off the park. Not, and that's not even on it. Eh? So you would be complaining that you haven't got decent value for money. So why should the football club be any different, differently? Yes, there's emotional attachment. Aye, I don't want to lose my seat that I've sat in for 20 odd years. I don't want to no longer sit next to all the guys in the supporters bus. But they've got to show us something. They've got mm. to make the right decision for once. It might hurt the club. But if they make the right decisions, they'll get that bar- they'll get backed by the, by the
4: fans. Kevin, you, I think you're right. I mean, I've been in the presence of Ian Bankier sheerly by chance not because I'm part of the prawn sandwich brigade or anything like that on one occasion and he didn't fill me with any kind of sense that this was a Celtic man. Um, Now I didn't want to get too hung up on that because there's plenty of Celtic men and women who couldn't do the job you know it's yeah it's one of these things people think it needs to be prerequisite for them to understand the club Um, and then the other argument would be let's employ people who are the best at their job. I look at him in a very kind of important um, position at Celtic Park and I, I I think over the last 10 years and if I was to ask you what he's done positively um, to affect any kind of change at Celtic Park, would you be struggling to give me an example? What, what has he done that you can look back on a whole decade of him being at the club and say what is his legacy? What, what, what could you tell me?
3: I mean when you say he had been there 10 years I was completely in shock. It's like 10 years of nothingness. It gets filled out every so often to eh? give a 400 word statement in front of the the financial results and that's it It, it's just like a show position ain't it
4: so they become empty words Kevin when they're trying to appeal to fans and the anxieties that we are feeling um, as supporters not on the ground I feel as though it's empty words because I don't think he gets it And I think there's plenty of people on that Celtic board who don't get it. They don't understand, not only the emotional attachment, Kevin, but how important day-to-day it is. Because the emotional attachment comes from being born into a situation where you can't remember ever deciding to support Celtic. It's passed down from generation to generation. But it becomes so important to your day-to-day life in so many different ways. Financially, of course, being one of them. Um, But... You know, it's the same in various other countries. We always talk about it being different here in Scotland. But it is a day-to-day, 24-hour-a-day, um, you know, vacation to be a Celtic supporter. It's not something that you can pick up and put back down. It's like what you are saying there about fair-weather supporters. And you're going to get that in all walks of life, Kevin. But we do have a hardcore. And we've seen that throughout the history of the club. You know, going right back in the last 40 years even, where times have been hard. There is always going to be a hardcore. But that hardcore now isn't going to um, break even. It's not going to balance the book. I don't feel I think there's enough people who aren't fair weather fans like yourself Kevin who will still make difficult and and, uh, big decisions based on their unhappiness at the way the club is being run now,
3: I mean, I, I'm not saying this is 1992 again, because it's no 1992 again. Uh, we're nowhere near. There's a, there's a lot of the younger generation out there, younger than me, who are dressing this up as a battle for Celtic soul. It's not a battle for Celtic soul. Celtic's not going to go bust where we were in 1992, 1993. This is no a new Celts for change. This is just time for the club to go back to its roots and realise that without us, they're nothing. Without the fans, they are absolutely nothing. And they keep on banging on about us this, this season. And one of the reasons that we're 18 points behind is because we're not in the stadium. Well, prove that to us then.
4: Is prove that, that Kev, Kev, is that their ch- charm offensive? Is that it, do you think? I would hope
3: no. It, it I, needs I to be
4: bigger. That. It needs to be bigger than that. <laughs> it, it needs it's to just, be bigger than that. This seems to be the message that, that is coming out of all kind of areas of the club at the moment, isn't it? If you guys had been here, you guys and girls had been here, everything would have been different. This is how important you are. And the caveat is, because you're so important, we need you for next season to renew your season ticket. Is that the charm offensive? Because if so, I think they're going to be struggling.
3: I think they will be struggling because they've been banging that message now for months and months. And it's no, it's no making any inroads whatsoever to the feeling of the, wi- the, the wider support. What I've made it clear what I would do to go back and, and this is really quite it's hard for me to actually say that it is hard for me to actually say that but to, to make it even more clear if they gave us if they showed value in the support the way that the, instead of the hollow words the empty verbs, the empty metaphors show us it in pounds, shilling and pence show us our value in pounds, shilling and pence but be honest about what will happen if that happens be honest about there's going to be a period of downsizing there is going to be a period of downsizing the, the, the accounts are going to show that every club in Scotland's going to be hit with us so, Exactly. exactly so, We expect so, it you know uh, so instead of spending 2 3 million pound on on any centre for it for some god knows where bring in a decent coaching staff and go he's going to need to develop players this might take one year, it might take two years we need JT behind you for your support in a season where he's never got into the stadium, here's X we want you back in that stadium to support the new man
4: What do you think that X will be, Kevin? What do you think that will be to get you back in? Because I've, I've seen some suggestions that, um, you know, it was yourself actually that said that it could take five years for you to get your refund back. Um, what Do you think it will be some kind of plan over those five years? Do you think it will be something that they try and offer you in one go?
3: I don't know how, how they'll be able to do it b- because the... There's a lot of clubs like you've got mother you've got Motherwell in that who says they would refund all their supporters mm-hmm. um, for every game that they've missed this season. Now, Motherwell are not Celtic and they, they haven't got the cash reserves to probably do that. So it'll be interesting to see what those clubs do. But Celtic have came out right away and says, well, we changed the terms and conditions of your season book so there's no refunds. But they know, the chairman actually says it in the statement, they know that they can't, virtual season tickets is not a substitute for the real thing. Mm -hmm. So they know that they haven't gave value for money in this year. So what I would kind of expect, I I quite like Daniel membership idea that that you've fired quite a lot, Paul, but I reckon what you might see is a discount over three seasons Going forward on season mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. and uh, and they'll take that into account at the end of the season when they see what their accounts going, to, what the, what their finances look like. I don't think you'll hear about it quick. I think it'll be closer to the end of the season before they'll they'll do something like that, and they might also make it voluntary. Mm.
4: See the other big thing as well, um, touching on some of the points Kevin's made, Russell is obviously that that big black hole can also be filled by selling star assets. And I think we're all kind of resigned to the fact that there's going to be massive changes over the summer in playing personnel. But I said yesterday, I think it's almost inconceivable that we would already having sold Frimpong and set up the sale of Encham to sell another three, what you would maybe describe as prized assets. You know, first team stars like Ayer, Christie, and Eduard. Now. When you're looking at the books and balancing the books, it's quite clearly stated in there that obviously the um you know, selling assets has been one of the reasons yeah. why we've ended up with six million pound losses. It's almost as if they're setting us up for the fire sale come the summer. Um, do you think we'll we'll go all out and sell all three of the the players I've mentioned, Ayer, Christy and Edward?
5: I think there's a huge aspect to this again. I'm gonna sound like I'm going, you know you know, just run the the same old conversations, but I mean I think there's a huge argument of who's in charge. Um, because you need to get to the bottom of why these guys wanted out. Whoever they were, we're going to suspect that at least two out of those three were who Lennon was referring to, I think, you know, um, last year when he said players want to leave. Now, for me, I appreciate the fact that there's three key players and that's on top of their end, Chapman Frimpong. looking at five guys who are in around the first team and you're losing that. Can you recover from that? I think there's got to be an argument of what's the point in keeping players if they're not happy and they don't want to be there. Um, I think we've, we've shown this season that that's not worked. Um, as soon as you know, unless Lennon was just talking nonsense and it was just an excuse at the time, which I don't think it was. I think since then it's been you'd be a bit bold by saying Frimpong's wanted out for weeks if he's not. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I don't think that's the case. I think it, I think there was a, a lot of truth in what Lennon said back then. I think it was September, was August uh, the players wanted out. He never got rid of anyone, and that's just that's proven that doesn't work. So whilst the numbers do sound high, and it would be devastating on the team to lose Edward. I, uh and to a lesser extent, Christy, I think, um, I think if all three wanted to go, and the money's right, then for me, that's that's how we're going to need to face our business and um, going forward, especially to try and you know get the uh, get the money, get the money, obviously, back up to the level we want it to be. Do you know what I mean? Because if we're just going to sit with players, i um, unhappy. But yeah, our books need balanced. What's the point? None of it makes sense. Um, I certainly think that I would expect there to be at least three players that will leave in the summer. But again, if someone comes in with a new, a new direction, a new future, I would love to see if we appointed someone who, who has right forward thinking in charge, a bit of pull about him, of that yeah. Brendan Rodgers ilk that you are talking about, uh, Kev. I would love, imagine the headline being Celtic appoint the manager and then the next day you see Edward signs a four-year deal. Who cares if it comes a minimum fee release clause? We just sell them the vision and say, "Look, win back the league, get in the Champions League, smash in the Champions League." With better clubs in West Ham interested than your son. And it, honestly, we'll insert a clause that if we get the twenty-five million bid, you can go anyway. Something like that. And I tell you what, that would that would really get people excited again. So there's some positivity for everyone watching right now. Hopefully, we, hopefully it'll happen. We ever know.
4: We will talk about the rebuild um, and a big part of that will be some of the um, suggestions that have been made around the potential for a new manager coming in. Uh, We have spoken quite a bit, but over the weekend, one name in particular was uh, at on the uh, tip of most Celtic fans' tongues now, David Boyle. I have never seen a club ignore the fans as much as Celtic have this season. Nothing short, discussed. I will be boycotting Celtic if Lennon is in charge next season. Can't take it anymore. I think there's a lot of people like David who are under that kind of impression um, that you know the change is required, not just all the background uh, change in terms of CEOs and director of footballs. So I think you've got to look at the guy leading the team. Can you get? the best out of your players, do you have that figurehead, Russell, as you said that could get someone excited that currently is already kind of checking out at Celtic Park I'm almost resigned to the fact that Edward will go because I feel he's at his end of his cycle at Celtic I didn't. I don't think that Frimpong was I thought, I thought Frimpong still had some development to do at Celtic before he left but circumstances meant that he's on his way uh, the bid came in and, and we've taken it I actually think that given a new manager like the scenario you've just described Russell we could get something more out of Ryan Christie and um, uh, Ayer as well but with the, with the the manager who's currently in place still being here next season those players will leave kevin we've also spoken about this assessment period um now you'll if you think back to when Neil Lennon left first time round, Ronnie Dyler comes in he's able to assess the squad. And that's every player, even those who are out or have been out on loan. And what he got from that was he got a diamond in Callum McGregor, who had basically been written off as a Celtic player. Now, when he was out on loan to Notts County, um, Carlisle, Almost signed them on a permanent deal. Now, can you imagine that Celtic were prepared to let him go? Carlisle were in trying to sign Callum McGregor and we would have let him go. But um, it was actually Carlisle that pulled the plug on the deal uh, quite late in the day. Now, that shows you that there might be a gem out there. I mean, we've got quite a lot of players out on loan, Kevin. But this is part of this assessment period Now, I'm going to throw a wee name into the, the mix simply because when Kevin challenged me last October after the game at Pataudry, Kevin, and I, basically what were you saying? If you could appoint somebody right now, who would it be? Who do you go for, Paul? And I uttered the immortal line, Roberto Martinez and Sean Maloney he's laughing because that's what everybody did when I said it but over the weekend people have been really impressed obviously with Sean Maloney and the way that he discusses the game and I know that doesn't make you a manager there's loads of guys who can talk a good game but um, the more you hear from Sean Maloney the more impressed you become in terms of a coach who you think could he work with an experienced director of football potentially people are then saying oh he's in well he actually resides in Glasgow I know that he's got the the job with Belgium with his ex Wigan boss Martinez but Sean Maloney resides in Glasgow Kevin Graham I'm going to ask you do you think he's got it um, in his locker to be a future Celtic boss
3: I think it would be an interesting appointment a really really interesting appointment he's one of these coaches that's really highly rated in, in European levels as well I remember reading an article about it and he was tipped as one to watch would he have the necessary stature and that doesn't mean Kenny's a wee guy eh? but would he have the necessary stature to actually take it on as his first job I think so I think he's a confident wee fella what we need we need a development coach mm. and depending who we'd put around him and he would need to make that choice who would go around about him then I think it would be a really interesting appointment I said last week that there's, there's that there's two lists you've got the obvious list and you've got the interesting list. And the obvious list, these managers disappear. But I think Maloney's firmly at the top of the interesting list for me.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't know what would come with Sean Maloney in terms... This week on The Marketer's Report,
0: Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
4: Of a backroom staff um, who he would work alongside, but he, I, I'm like yourself, Kevin. It is an interesting one. He's one of these guys that's so so highly rated, um, so highly rated that he's uh, you know the second to Martinez with the number one ranked uh, country in the world. Russell, what's your thoughts on We Maloney?
5: Uh definitely, and I think I think with regards to the stature as well, that Kevin's Kevin. I think that would be like what you were saying, Paul. About it would be really important that the director of football does have some sort of gravitas and does have a lot of experience as well because, to be honest with you, I think he would need that. However, in terms of how he comes over, um, he comes over very well. He speaks really well. I think in terms of, obviously, if you're working with the number one ranked team and to me, we're one of the top ten managers in the in the world as well, Martinez. I think it's inevitable when he leaves Belgium, he'll go to one of the, you know, the European giants, I think he will, and he'll smash it. Um, I just think the methods that he'll be using, all the, the education we'll have had uh, within that set-up. And then, of course, it comes to what the expectation levels are like at Celtic, and whether you can understand that, well, he's he knows you know, only too well what the expectation levels are. He knows exactly what it was like to be part of a successful um, Celtic side because he was there under O'Neill, and maybe not so successful. I think he was re-signed by Mowbray, wasn't he, uh, initially? Stratton, Stratton, Stratton re-signed him
4: made his second debut against Falkirk yeah Yeah, Celtic Park I remember that I mean some great comments coming in Kaplow Mark on YouTube if you are watching on YouTube ladies and gents please remember to subscribe on there we've got loads of daily content coming through Kaplow Mark who is a regular contributor to the show so thank you very much uh, for getting involved there is a complete disregard and disrespect from the board towards the fans it's obvious we are looked upon as customers only going back to what you were saying Kevin Uh, Wayne Jackson also on YouTube I wouldn't be surprised if we put together a strong finish results wise Lennon will still be here next season this is actually just sparked a wee memory in my mind here uh, in in regards to the interim report under the highlights section being second in the league Russell Boyce what was that all about
5: highlights and one of the other highlights was it not the conclusion of our most successful domestic thing I thought how can the conclusion of it be a highlight but I mean, if you're struggling for, for headlines, then that's what you've got to do. So, yeah, I was, I was laughing at those as well. I'm not going to lie to you. The yeah. sec- being second in the league. But uh, does that tell you a greater story? I know we're reading too much into all this today. But is the fact that second has seen as a success because that still gets you a shot at the Champions League? And that's all they're bothered about because that still gives them a chance of the riches. Maybe they've got, maybe, they, you know, 10 in a row, isn't that big a deal to them?
4: Well, on that point, Treble Treble comes in via YouTube to say the board must realise importance of us qualifying for Champions League next year after releasing the finances of a five point six million pound loss. They have to get that would have been five point two. No, the buy will be in next year's. They have to get this new restructuring right. And no room for error. And I think the first words that came out your mouth today, Russell, was in relation to in fairness to the board. And yeah, you do have to try and be balanced. But you're right. There is absolutely no room for error. And that again. Uh, is is bizarre when you think about the level of domination and the forward planning that should have been in place. Uh, but we can't even forward plan to have a right back on the books who's capable of uh, taking over if we sell Frimpong uh, to such a degree that we nip out and get someone in on loan um, as well. But with regards to the finances, far more people coming in like yourself, Kevin. It's simple, no renewal until Lennon goes. Um, do the club think that this is fan engagement? A serious question, Kevin Graham, releasing a couple of statements on a Monday. Do they think, right, that's the chairman engaged with the fans now? Do they believe that's what it is these days?
3: I think that's probably the bare minimum. I don't think they do reckon it is fan engagement at, at the light revel. Um What I would look for fan engagement now, I would like to see all, all of Branches come for the club to season ticket holders and that. Look, it's been made perfectly clear that chucking bricks at buses putting banners up, wee stupid avatars on on social media is not going to work. This season has been a season to forget and we didn't want it repeated. So for it not to be repeated, then we've got to work together. We've got to come together. We've got to work together. And this is where the club should be gone from now to the end of the season. End all these divisions and start being open and honest and getting on board with the fans talk to the organisations they can talk to talk to the season ticket holders they can talk to and that's up to the organisation as well instead of going in all guns blazing going in and go, how can we sort this now? Because this season's gone, there's no point coming in and shouting, and going, you should have done this, you should have done that it's past. it's gone, forget about it we need to move forward and that's where we should be now and I don't think that statement today really does anything like anything like that but for me if I was a club or a, or a member of a prominent supporters' organisation, I would be behind the scenes offering it all with Blanche, trying to get in with the new CEO and trying to plan for the future.
4: Billy Boy with an H32, comes in from YouTube to say, if Celtic have to balance the books, there will be no top-drawn manager coming in. Right, absolutely. You look at some of the salaries of some of the top-drawn managers that uh, we've discussed on this very podcast over the weeks, but I think that's what makes Sean Maloney quite an interesting proposition, isn't it? Because you wouldn't say he's a top draw manager. Obviously, he's working under a top-drawn manager in Martinez, but then there is an element of risk by giving him his first managerial post. I've seen a lot of positives coming through uh, the Celtic channels online, on social media over the last couple of days about Maloney. Um, Russell, is it a, wor- a risk worth taking getting someone in like Maloney, someone who hasn't proved himself yet?
5: I think there's two sides to the argument, because I think obviously with Maloney, I think he would certainly fall into affordable bracket, so therefore that's less risky. However, there is obviously the risk element, he's got no managerial experience. The flip side is if you go for a manager right who's got bags experience and cost top dollar, chances are you're going to be successful and I've said it on here before that I reckon that the more you spend on a manager, the more money they would make your club. I don't see any argument against that. I think I don't think that the competition domestically is something that if you were paying a if you're bringing in a i don't know a that you spoke about a, a couple of weeks ago someone of that ilk. Mm. If you're bringing that in, I think they could blow away the competition domestically again. We've seen it before. It could happen again, certainly. Especially when I don't think the competition is out of this world at this present uh, present time. And then, obviously, you would be then hoping for them to take that next level. Two to three years in the Champions League. That's what I think I think would be realistic at, at, at first. Two to three seasons in the Champions League, £60 million back. Maybe one of them you get to the latter stages and it's £35 million you made that year. Um, so is it a big risk spending a lot of money on a manager it can't guarantee you success but in my own I think I, I think it gives you a far greater chance of making more money for the club and sometimes I think Celtic haven't speculated to accumulate enough um, I think the closest they did ever to that was perhaps last summer um, in the transfer window and like Kev says it's obviously actually backfired which is why you might end up seeing them this summer not speculating to accumulate and maybe you know some like a Sean Maloney. We might need to start getting our heads round it being someone that with maybe less experience or doesn't cost as much. Um because there are there are risks on both sides. Of-
4: There are some great points coming through, Um, Michael the boy, Maloney to work with Lenny, Uh, I've got to say Kevin is shaking his head furiously down the bottom of the screen. Um, Here's an interesting one from Red Scotland, Kevin, I find this very well put by Red Scotland, welcome back to the show, you're commenting on YouTube, it is one bad season and embarrassing to have a side like Rangers above us, but if we don't renew we are giving our support to Rangers by underfunding our own club. To hell with that! Can you see that that part of the argument, Kevin? Do you see that side of the argument?
3: I, I can sit with that. That's that's okay with me. Um, that's maybe came out wrong, but aye, I think there's been a and I didn't want to use the word hysterical, but it has been one bad season in a decade, and that's where I made the comment that this is not nineteen ninety two. This is one bad season in a decade, but it's been a season that's been coming due to years of bad mistakes. To, due to the club being run badly for years, just bad decisions. Every bad decisions caught up with us this season, and I, I do I do find for me I can only talk personally, but my decision not to renew it will not be based on results on the football field. Mm. It will be it'll be based on how much I feel valued uh, as a supporter. Of the football club. So here's a quick Neil Lennon, no being there next season, is not a, n- a be-all and end-all for me. No renewing. Here's
4: feeling a teaser. Val-
3: feeling valued as a supporter is the be-all and end-all for me now.
4: Okay. So, let's, uh, I know you like parallel universes, Kevin. Let's say we're... T- 18 points ahead of Rangers at this stage of the season yet the fans have been treated exactly the same way in terms of no engagement throughout the season Um, the virtual season ticket has been just as poor yet we've managed to get the results on the football park would you be still saying this? would you still be feeling undervalued even though the results were good on the park? 100%
3: 100% Interesting
4: Interesting, because obviously I think there's a lot of Celtic fans out there, who, and this is not to knock them, who are, it's all about results, isn't it? It's if, mm-hmm. if It happens on the pack. Now, we've had people who were involved in the very early days of Save Our that was a prerequisite to, um, you know, a prelude rather to Save Our Celts um, for Change. And they said that as soon as they got a wee bit of momentum, Kevin, Celtic results were better on the park Or they signed a new player or they changed the manager It just hit a brick wall Because there's a lot of Celtic fans It's all about success, it's all about results in the park And I'm not having a a dig at anybody Because the, the last thing I want to see is Celtic fans falling out And there being divisions But I find that interesting That even if the results in the park went our way this season Kevin, you would still be feeling undervalued
3: Definitely, and even it's quite hard to go into that parallel universe because if we went into that parallel universe, the buy would still be a bad idea, it would have still been an absolute disgraceful idea to go to dubai during a pandemic and there's just been a few things this season and even previous seasons and and you and you spoke about this uh, and you spoke about this on friday as well even the way that we've handled the boys club situation even the ways that even the way that we've just acted like a corporate brand which has really really annoyed me i mean i'm not going to say i'm not going to go to the games I'm a bit, they wouldn't get a season ticket off me I would support I would support my supporters club I would still go to games I would make sure what I see is my emotional attachment to Celtic which is that guys like you and my supporters club and that I would still go up with them but I wouldn't be buying a season ticket
4: mm-hmm.
3: I would still go to games
4: now, uh Sturgeon has just popped up on Sky Sports News. I've got the volume down if anyone wants to update us on anything that might be in relation to um, a, an alleged party involving 10 fixed penalties last night, then let us know, it would be interesting to see if there has been an update you understand now you could type anything in the comments field and I would think that it's gospel, that's how much I trust you, so uh, make sure make sure it's accurate please Um, now no, Kevin I get that because Celtic is such a big part of your life on a day to day basis, Um, it's not something that you can just switch off, you just Can't switch that button off. You know, that's not how it works in football, certainly not with Celtic in my experience. But uh, one of the big things I've noticed as well on the chat there is talking about uh, how we need to focus again, Russell, on the youth development at Celtic. We've been very disappointed, I think, in the lack of players coming through. They were put under a lot of pressure after the Dubai trip when they were thrown into the team. Some people were saying they're not up to scratch well. How can they be when they've not been playing games at that level uh, yeah we're in a league where it, it's not conducive to youth development because we don't have that that um, bridge over a reserve kind of league they don't yeah. play many games and currently they're not playing any games uh, but there was an interesting interview uh, with Jack H. I've got to give the guys at the uh, Glasgow's Green podcast a shout out they helped us uh, in the charity weekender but they, they're doing quite a lot of good interviews I've noticed I, I think it was the GIG podcast that did the, the Kel uh Wilson interview as well recently and Jack Henson spoke about the, the, the trouble uh, trying to break through at Celtic Park the fact that he tried to leave the club uh, you know, for 12 to 18 months before he finally got a move and the one quote that stood out for me was I didn't see a pathway now surely with everything taken into consideration Russell we really need to focus on getting that youth development and working for Celtic again
5: Definitely, couldn't agree more Um I think the amount of players that seem to just fall away, fall by the wayside is, is unbelievable. I mean, I think it's quite baffling as well. We've are looking at we got someone that was regarded as one of Europe's hottest talents in Carmel Cudimbelli in our uh, reserve. He came on as, as a sub, I think it was 18 months ago, maybe even longer than that, for the first team. Um, and yet now, even when the squad was absolutely decimated with the COVID thing, he didn't get a start either game. Um, he seems to have fallen right, right, right away, and, and, and again, I don't know if it's maybe the lack of reserve game time that's um, hindering the development, or is it fundamentally is there something wrong at Celtic with, with regards to that? Because I definitely think it's always something that the fans can relate to. Him. You need to look at the, the impact Kieran Tierney had in the club as the most recent example. Um, Stephen Welsh, again, I think was quite insightful. As he, it was okay to fling him in against Rangers, he played a couple of games. And then he was completely removed from the whole equation. He wasn't on the bench for a few weeks. Um, I don't think that's a good, a good way of progressing a young player either. I think if they get a chance, a foot in the door, and they don't do anything wrong, then they should remain there on merit. Um, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that what the other youngsters would have seen with Stephen Welch this year. They were the, the sort of hokey you know, one foot in, one foot out going on. I don't think... I don't think that's very encouraging for for young players looking at that that to be what is that what they're to aspire to, you know. He gets his debut against Rangers, he's buzzing. Then he's hooked out the team for three months mm-hmm. and played like, two games, sorry, at that spell. And then he's back in again, which of course might give you encouragement, but it just all seems disjointed. And, and I think it obviously goes back to what, what Jack h saying. That doesn't seem. It doesn't seem if you look at Welsh's progress so far within the, with, the, with regards to the first team. That's been on any form of pathway. Has it? That's not been a pathway he's been on. You're
4: you know right. I mean? You're right. It's been absolutely down to circumstances, isn't it, Russell? Yep. Um, what you'd be hoping for, and I know it doesn't uh, guarantee results, but with the investment sell to Cav and uh, the youth and up at Lennox Town and the the various uh, pro-youth systems that are in place, Kevin Graham, you would expect every year for there to be uh, a group of players who have progressed to the stage where they've got to be um, considered uh, for that step up. Now, not all of them are going to make the step up, but I just don't think we've had that pathway. We, we keep banging on about, yeah, but Kieran Tierney, James Forrest, Callum McGregor. James Forrest and Callum McGregor are in their late 20s. So, you know, where's where's the players that were brought through who are 23 and 24? Who are the players that were brought through who are 19 and 20 that are ready to step in? We've got a week. Group of players there. Uh, Welsh has come through and I hope he remains because I like the look of him. But we've also got Scott Robertson, we've got Ewan Henderson, um, the aforementioned uh, Dembele, Ocoflex. How many of them will be part of a Celtic side uh, you know, in the next five years? Because if they're to be as successful as Tierney Forrest and McGregor, then you would hope that two or three of them will be. I can't see it. I can't see that being being the case. Kevin Graham, do you think that's going to be at the forefront when you consider how signing the signing policy is going to have to change due to uh, the COVID, uh, sorry, Brexit, post-Brexit, it's going to have to change anyway. And then obviously financially, uh, through COVID, we're going to have to be a lot cuter with uh, you know assessing what we have available and maximising it.
3: I think that was the whole point, uh, a point in Ronnie Dial and Brendan Rogers. But then we chucked it out we chucked it out with a baby in the bathwater when we reappointed Neil Lennon, who has no history of developing players whatsoever, young yeah. players whatsoever. So you appoint Ronnie Dyler, who is a coach, you appoint Brendan Rogers who is a coach. So the next appointment again has to be a director of football and a coach to come in and rebuild have a look at that academy. I mean, I think we've had the residential at Lennox Town for ten years now, maybe even more than ten years, where are, where, where are the players that have came through? That Tierney is probably the only one that's came through, and he's mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. All the rest of them have got to 16 Then Dembele looks like he's going to leave as well. He was in that setup. You've had guys like Barry Hepburn and Liam Morrison who have ended up going to uh, Bayern Munich. You've yeah. had guys who are going to who have ended up down in Liverpool. So that shows there's a massive fail in at Celtic Football Club. We are producing genuine talent that elite clubs want, but we can't keep them. And this didn't say money because I money's a part of it but if they players believed that by eighteen, nineteen 19 they would have 20, 30, 40 games for Celtic they would still be at Celtic
4: One example, Kevin Aquaflex, we took him from Arsenal mm-hmm. yeah. so it wasn't about money it was about a pathway, it was about Brendan Rogers being able to sell to that young player you're going to be a first team player at Celtic Park and this is your pathway and this is your plan. And I think you're absolutely right. And it's not just a, an opportunity for me to have another go in Neil Lennon. I don't think that's anywhere near being his forte in developing young players. Who in that side just now, uh, and he's not in the side, has he developed? It would be James Forrest. And I think that's due to the fact that you know he knew him as a young player when Neil Lennon was involved below the first team.
3: I'm going to disagree with that.
4: I'm talking uh, about his initial development his, his, from reserve his, his player a, to aye, aye. first team player, Kevin. You uh, might you might say he's regressed since Lenny's came back. So I'm aye, maybe I'm preempting gonna, your argument there.
3: Aye, you're preempting my argument. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, Brendan <laughs> Rodgers turned him round. Brendan yeah,
4: Rodgers. Aye, because turned he was on his way out. He was on his way out at that time, wasn't he? Aye. Um, Thanks to everybody for uh, all the accurate uh, updates on Sturgeon. Uh, Nicola wants a spot on your podcast. She loves Kevin. Uh, also, apparently, I can go back to school in two weeks. Um, it must be as the Janny because it certainly know as a <laughs> is that a good one for you, Kev? No, the he has gone back to school life. Fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, let, let's also talk again about something that I find very interesting. Um, comments made on social media again by James McLean. Now this goes right back to the conversation I had Kevin you'll remember with John Barnes, uh, where we were talking about obviously his argument in relation to the fact that um black managers get less time in British football than white managers. Um, and that, w- that was a, a very interesting debate that, that John and I had I say a debate I didn't disagree with him on that point but what I tried to put across Kevin you'll remember is the anti-Irish sentiment uh, amongst um, it, within society as a whole but also that we do see it in football uh, particularly in the West of Scotland we see it but James McLean has spoke out about that and I think it was very brave of him to do so and I think he is 100% correct in saying that it seems almost acceptable to have anti-Irish um, abuse online um, because, you know, it's not part of any movement that uh, every other broadcaster media outlet has obviously embraced. I think that Shane Duffy came out in support of him, which is tremendous, and it's time to stamp out anti-Irish rhetoric. Kevin Graham, um, even when we had that discussion with John Barnes, he didn't take it seriously, did he?
3: He, he didn't. He, he batted that away, and again, you didn't disagree with him because he didn't give you the chance to disagree with him. <laughs> Full in that interview, um, I he batted that away, and that was one of the, the. That was probably the most annoying thing. He just says that's not that's no the same. it is the same now, for me. it is the same. Um, any 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 racism, whether it's like country color creed, race, religion is the same uh, and I'm, I haven't seen the James McLean comments so I'm quite glad when he gets it everywhere he goes mm-hmm. because he, he's quite open about uh, his background uh, I mean you just have, I mean you can't be a Celtic fan and, and not been on the end of some anti-Irish, anti-Catholic racism basically and people in Scotland call it sectarianism, it's no sectarianism it's anti-Irish, anti-Catholic Mm-hmm. And it's the nature of Scotland. That's the way Scotland is. and that's the way it's that's the way it's sold. That's the way it's sold. Ah, it's just banter. Let's mm, maybe not just banter. In, in certain situations, it's there. There is a there is a sort of establishment type historical connotations here. Which, which, yeah. gives, which gives Scotland that Scotland being a president, uh, president uh, why that coming? I can't say that today uh, so, so, so if, if you know what I mean eh? I'm not even going to try to say it again eh? um, <laughs> and like in terms of football banter anti-Irish sectarianism is acceptable and it's been acceptable with the SFA and that for years
4: just remember protest Protest, protest, Kevin, because aye, they're protesting aye. against the Catholic yes, Church back in the days of John Knox. But when we're looking at the discrimination that has been faced by Um, I think Celtic players in the past the one that um, has suffered more than most is Neil Lennon and I think that when it comes to anti-Irish, anti-Catholic discrimination um, and and the kind of abuse and the threats and the attacks that Neil Lennon um, has endured in his time at Celtic both as a player and as a manager, that's what makes it so difficult now for me to go onto social media and to see the big Lenny Out campaign, I don't want Neil Lennon as the manager of Celtic Football Club but uh, we've got to ensure that there's a line that isn't crossed in terms of abuse um, and I don't mean any Celtic fan is abusing him because of his uh, his uh, religion uh, or the place of his birth absolutely not but I just don't want any kind of form of abuse of, of Neil Lennon it's time for Neil Lennon to go, absolutely um, but I just don't want it to be as vehement and you know, the big thing for me is James McLean has spoken out about it I think it was a brave move, Russell and I think it's something that needs to, to uh, be focused upon a lot more in relation to, let's call it out
5: Yeah, absolutely, I think uh, when he, you know, the, the word sectarianism is the one that's banded about Scotland but it's the only time you ever hear that word ever used with any sort of reference it's always with um, anti-Irish um, racism, basically it's what it is and I don't understand what the but the fear of calling it, using the word racism when it comes to it, seems to be in this country. But it certainly seems to be a taboo, um, which to which that in a nutshell tells you why it'll never be resolved anytime soon until it is even referred to what it right is now as anti-irish racism. It's that simple. If you can start referring it to as that, then you're making the first step into getting you know it to be you know to be sort of resolved or not maybe not resolved completely. But you know what I mean, like trying to do the right steps and trying to um, create awareness of what it actually is. But whilst you give it dodgy titles and things like that, then you can't educate people. You can't, you know, you can't make people aware of what it is they're actually saying and you can't get any sort of change to their So I think that'd be the first step. Call it what it is, for God's sake, and then we can, you know, we can try and try and resolve it from there.
4: We can deal with it now. Uh Monday Monday afternoons um means the Monday club. It means Russell. It means Kevin. But on a Sunday night, Russell normally runs a wee poll just so that we can discuss um the kind of feeling around a certain subject involving Celtic. Russell, what was your Sunday night poll last night? Uh,
5: so I, I I nabbed it off you. Um it was a good question that he asked yesterday um on, on Axum. I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was a good question because it's full loan players. We all know that they've a lot of money between them, we need to accept that. Come the end of the season, which money are you wanting to keep? And it was just so simple when you thought about it, think, you think you, think, ideally you'd be signing all four of these with a view to signing them permanently so they've had a year to settle in, they've really proved their worth and we're going to sign them all permanently or at least try and sign them all permanently if, if realistic. Um, so yeah, the poll went up just to find out, you know, which which woman they wanted to keep, whether it was uh, Shane Duffy, Diego Lacksal, whether it was John Joe, um, Kenny, or whether it was Moy el Um Despite a late surge in the poll uh, for, for St Duffy voters, hello to everyone who voted for St Duffy. Um, it was uh, it was John Joe Kenny that came out on top yeah. um, slightly. So that tells you he's made a good start, at least at the club. Um, there was a lot of support for el Yunusi as well, and I think we could disregard the the Shane Duffy ones because I think when the boat was at around the 1300 mark I think Shane Duffy had around 2% Mm -hmm. and then when the boats went up to 4,500 they had 27 somehow (laughs) so I think that was was a bit old a banter I don't actually mind it to be honest I thought it was just I thought it was good fun I think I got 65 retweets and I kind of went through them all methodically and I think it's 50 were, were by Rangers fans. <laughs> no, there you <laughs> go. If, if that's what gives them their kicks, that's what gives them their kicks. Infiltrated. <laughs> that's that's, the, the, that's devotion uh, it, it was good fun, though, no and, and there was not there was no, like you saying, about abuse. I don't mind if there's banter for both sides, to be honest. We love to wind up at their expense. So if they're going to jump in and get us decided, to me, it's a SIBO moment, Shane Duffy, and, you know, we've just got to take it on the chin, do you know what I mean?
4: No, you're right. And again, I'm going to throw the question over to you, Kev, because over the weekend, I was saying this to Colin, I didn't want it to appear that it was just a cheap dig at Shane Duffy, but I I was just really unhappy with the whole condition of Shane Duffy, not just his performance, but, you know, six minutes in at a corner kick, there was a close-up, he was blowing very heavily, sweating buckets. He's slow. He's slow as a week in a jail. Um, He went on one of these galloping runs again. You knew he was going to lose the ball, and he did. He didn't bother going back, he just trotted back, you know. And I just don't see it. Every single pass that he made was almost painful to watch. You know, he just goes up, he just swings a big right bit and normally passes it to Ayer, making very little happen. Um, And I was really frustrated with him, I must say. So I didn't vote for Duffy, who I voted for. It was out of two. I was impressed with Black Salt when he came in, Kevin. We spoke about him on here. He looked like the real deal faded really badly since then uh, I think John Joe Kenny has done well I don't think he's done anything spectacular since he's come in he is unbeaten and he gives us a wee bit better balance when you look yep. at Taylor one side and, and John Joe Kenny on the other side um, Elianousi is a bit of a enigma for me he, he's inconsistent but you look at the goals he scored this season for example and he's obviously he's got loads of attributes uh, but the argument I had with Colin yesterday was you know we've seen everything we're going to see He's all the man he's ever going to be at Celtic. We've seen him for two seasons. Mm. You know, it's not going to be. A, um, he's not going to have this this uh, incredible turn of form in season three, unless of course he, he comes to work with a manager who suits him. Kevin, who would you say if you could keep one of the four? Um, would you go and play it safe because we don't have any other right backs? Would you go with John Joe Kenny? Do you still look at El Yunus as someone who could be a game changer for Celtic?
3: I'm just going to go back to one of the comments. Uh, I've just noticed that there, uh, Zaira Covailed, uh, and she says, or he says, I don't know, are you going to acknowledge that there is anti Protestant, uh, president? Oh, I can't even say that. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with me today, man? I, I'm, I'm going to actually agree with that because. I went to a non-denominational school and some Celtic fans struggled to accept me as a Celtic fan because I wasn't a Catholic.
5: And so, could you manage to say that there and not be able to say prods? That was.
3: Incredible. I don't know. I, I didn't care. It. I've just got something in that? my head now. Eh? Um, <laughs> it won't make me actually say it. <laughs> I don't know. What it is. <laughs> Maybe it's bigotry I can't say it. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, no, cut that one out. Uh, aye, loan signings. It's
4: life, Kev. G- oh, I can't cut it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's on fall fall, isn't it? Um, right, loan signings. I say none of them in the poll. Mm-hmm. I say it's absolutely none of them um, because that's not the way that we need to go forward. I think it's been a problem with the club over the last five years, where we've had guys that come in, come in, with loan deals and it's short termism. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you regarding my Paul. I don't think he's showed enough. We've, we've seen him for two seasons. He's hit or miss. Even for five million pounds, I wouldn't be interested. Um, that's all. Sorry, no. Um, John Joe Kenny, I haven't seen enough of him. He's been quiet the last couple of games. We do need a right back, but hopefully I, I, I can't see another loan deal for him. Strangely enough, for the crack, I would love to get Duffy back and see him as a league champion next season in Scotland's Player of the Year. <laughs> just, just for the crack, man. That, that would, if we go on for nothing, a Bosman, let's bring him back up and like he can have the Celtic career that he's always dreamed of
4: he might he not want to come back now it's been a busy old day in the world of Celtic so thanks everybody for getting involved uh, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube is where you find us live on a daily basis if you are watching on YouTube we're building that channel uh, rapidly and we're providing free daily content uh, not just Celtic although the vast majority of it is at the moment Celtic related but we've got music um, chat shows we've got quite a lot happening on there and there's a show on there by Kevin Graham that I'm going to be speaking to him uh, in just a few moments about after we go off. So, thank you everybody for getting involved. Thank you, Russell Boyce and Kevin Graham, for joining me once again on a Celtic State of Mind.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social, Social Podcast Network
0: Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived